Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. And welcome back to the Lisa Wexler Show, 203-333-9422. You can call me at 203-333-9422. Well, joining us now is Stephen Seeger, who is an attorney. I saw that his name was mentioned recently. This made national news. Michael Skakel has been accused and, frankly, served time in jail, a number of years in jail, for the murder of Martha Moxley, who was then 15 years old and who was killed when somebody smashed a golf club into her head in Greenwich late one night. Uh, Mr. Skakel has always maintained he was innocent, and as I told you earlier, his cousin Robert F. Kennedy Jr. actually once came on our show to support that claim, and he believes that his cousin was innocent as well. But nonetheless, this is a very, very controversial matter in uh, Greenwich and throughout Fairfield County, as you can imagine. And I was intrigued to see that now Michael Skakel, after all these years, believes that not only was he wrongfully convicted, but that the state should pay him for it. Joining us now is his attorney, Stephen Seeger, who represents Mr. Stakel. Hello, Mr. Seeger. Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show today. Hi. Uh, good morning, uh, Lisa. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. So, okay, so, Stephen, tell me a little bit, what are the basis of the claims that you have against various state authorities. What are you claiming? It's basically a, a civil rights case. Um, it stems from uh, Michael having spent over 11 and a half years in jail for a crime that he didn't commit. And the, uh, the loss of time and the relationships that he's had in his life, uh, life as he knew it, uh, simply has never been returned to him. And like anybody other, any other person that's wrongfully convicted, um, you know, recourse is limited to the judicial system. Now, technically, so, what, I, what I'm reading is that unlike cases where people have been found to be innocent of a crime, have been exonerated from a crime, I'm reading this legal language, and help me understand it. It says his conviction was vacated in 2018 by the Connecticut Supreme Court, which ruled that his attorney had deprived him, I believe that's Mickey Sherman, of a fair trial by failing to identify an alibi witness. And then in 2020, prosecutors said they would not retry him in Moxley's death, which would indicate to me that he was not 
found innocent. He was just found not guilty. And there's a difference. Well, there is a difference. And uh, he is innocent. And we've always maintained his innocence. Uh, Not only is he not guilty, he didn't do the crime. He was nowhere near the crime when it occurred. And the uh, whole issue of Mickey Sherman and what he did or didn't do is old news against the backdrop of this uh, particular case. Um, the Supreme Court sent it back, and one of the reasons why they sent it back was because there was an alibi witness, Mr. Osorio, who was not properly investigated. And in the context of what the state argued, it would have obliterated the whole claim that there was this fancy Skakel cover-up when it came to the alibi. But if you take a look at the complaint, I mean, there's a whole host of uh, different reasons why his civil rights were violated. And among them, uh, certainly exculpatory evidence that was not handed over to the defense that was cited by the Supreme Court and the habeas court. I mean, this case is simply not the one that we have uh, we come to know it through the media. If you take it together with procedural and evidentiary limitations, and including differing standards on appeal, uh, this case has been misunderstood for many years. If you've uh, done any criminal work at all, you know that there are certain evidentiary limitations, uh, witnesses that uh, are not allowed to testify, things that you can't say, hurdles that you have to overcome. In this case, for example, uh, third-party culpability, for example. And and these are the types of things that get in the way of the uh, the truthful side of the story uh, that can affect the uh, the narrative. And, you know, in our complaint now, we've listed what we believe the state has done that has violated Michael Skakel's rights to a fair trial, including the exculpatory uh, evidence being withheld, going back as early as the, uh, the sketch that resembled uh, Ken Littleton that was withheld, some statements from uh, non-family members pertaining to the alibi that was simply uh, detailed in a case report that the state decided not to hand over. And I think that uh, uh, Mr. Gar testified to some of this stuff in previous uh, proceedings, including the habeas, saying that uh, his superiors told him not to hand this stuff over. And this is coming from a from a man who has a, a, a book deal. He's collaborating with uh, Len Levitz on a book deal, and then that may be turned into a movie. He has a pecuniary interest. As you know, if uh, you're a criminal litigator, bias Len, is Len never Levitt a collateral issue. You mean an old book he deal, did, right? Len Levitt passed away. He, I knew him. Well, I, I would suppose that the contracts uh, survive, and I think Mr. Gar was asked about that, and I think he agreed. The, the point is is that this is the lead investigator in a murder case that has been hailed as a case that uh, is affected by the wealth and fame of certain individuals being treated preferentially in the judicial system, which is a, it's a really fantastical concept. I mean, um, the people who are that wealthy and, and, uh, and are supposed to have privilege don't generally serve 11 and a half years in jail. So this whole idea that uh, Michael Skakel is a Kennedy cousin and he got preferential treatment because of that is just ridiculous. It's just really unfathomable. And, and that's because the narrative perpetuates it. It all stems from this whole idea that is uh, spawned by uh, Dominic Dunn about how the wealth and, and, and fame of people uh, have them treated differently in the judicial system. That's, that's taken up uh, by the uh, uh, detective Mark Furman in his book, uh, Murder in Greenwich. And they sort of run with that. And that carried over right to the trial where John Benedict attacked the alibi just on that basis as well. All right, we're chatting with Stephen Seeger. I'd like you, just for our audience who may not understand some of the legal terminology, exculpatory evidence is evidence that that tends to make it show that the person that you're charging with a crime is not guilty of the crime. It exculpates Correct. them. And so one of the things that 
In fact, it was my moot court brief at NYU Law a thousand years ago, Steve. Uh, one of the <laughs> things that prosecutors have an ethical obligation to do, and it's a matter of ethics, is that if they find evidence that tends to go against the person that they have already charged with the crime, they have a very strong ethical duty to make sure the defense attorney knows about it. And the reason that's so important is because when you really think about crime and investigation, who investigates crimes? It's the state. And who does the state talk to? The state talks to prosecutors. The state doesn't talk to defense attorneys. All the people you see that are doing all those, you know, testing of things and laboratories and DNA, they all work for the state apparatus. And that's why it's very important that prosecutors, if they know of information that would tend to show that someone is innocent or not as guilty as they thought, they have an ethical ob obligation to turn that over. And when they don't turn it over, they themselves can be subjected to a lot of different grievances and problems. Are you saying, Steven Seeger, that in this case, the prosecutor at the time came upon evidence that would have tended to show that Michael Skakel was not guilty, but withheld that evidence? Well, let me just add to your definition of exculpatory evidence. It's also evidence favorable to the defense. And here we don't have a case where there's physical evidence. There's no DNA connecting Michael Skakel to this murder. And against that backdrop, favorable evidence that tends to um, show that somebody didn't uh, commit a crime or evidence that can be used in cross-examination is also something that falls within the net of exculpatory evidence. And so here, just going back to, let's say, for example, a natural bias or a book deal or a pecuniary interest of the state's lead investigator, that would be something that doesn't necessarily mean that the subject of that book or that pecuniary interest is innocent or guilty, but it certainly would reflect on the jury's ability to believe what that person says. I mean, here we have the lead investigator in a case that has that type of pecuniary interest in a case. He was also also the fact checker in Len Levitt's book. And as the fact checker, just very much like when you read your own statement or in a deposition when you're allowed to reread what you've said, um, you have the opportunity to correct things. And in that book, uh, you know, by, by Len Levitt's uh, claim, um, Mr. Garr cajoled witnesses. Uh, you know, he did things that uh, would not have been considered to be uh, uh, forthright, I would suppose, what might be a word. He, he was, uh, was uh, strong-arming people, including Hoffman with the Hoffman tapes, the famous tapes that the state alleged contained a confession. I mean, he said in the uh, habeas proceeding, agreed with the proposition that um, – he didn't have the proper documentation, and he said things like, "Hey, I came here to get what I'm, what I, uh, what I came for, and I'm not leaving without it." And Mr. Hoffman testified in uh, previous habeas uh, proceedings that uh, you know Gar was, you know, pretty much came there to get what he wanted. He was going to get it one way or the other. You know, did you did you want me to get it the, the easy way or the hard way? These are types of uh, statements that police officers, if they're doing a job properly or investigators, uh, don't make to witnesses. Uh, there's procedures to follow, and Michael Skakel's been subject to the procedures and differing standards on appeal and different proceedings from the trial onward for 11 and a half years. You know, in the state, it's not a, it's not, it's, it's a, it's a double standard. For example, that you have to take a look at. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't strong arm people to get evidence in the first place. He's done so some of that. He served 11 and a half years of what was what a 15 year sentence. What was his original sentence? 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It was up to 20 years, but uh, the sentencing uh, system was a little bit different uh, back then. So we would have expected that probably in the end he may have served somewhere around 12 and a half or 13 years based on what I know of the uh, the sentencing scheme that was in place in 1975. Of course, he wouldn't have spent anywhere near that if he'd been treated as a juvenile, which is a right. whole separate legal issue. A whole separate legal but, issue, which he lost on, which surprised me. I thought that that was the strongest legal argument that he had, frankly. But he lost on yeah, it. Yeah, actually, actually drafted that statute of limitations motion. It was uh, there was three cases: Paradise, Ellis, and Galeno, that I thought was crystal clear that the uh, statute of limitations argument should have went uh, Michael's way. But but it didn't, and the Supreme Court didn't take it. So uh, yeah. you know he had to live with that moving forward. That's right. a legal technicality. Right. So so Mr. Seeger, you've been involved in representing Michael Skakel for how many years? Uh, probably over twenty years. Wow! I was part of the I was part of the original trial team. Uh, I was responsible for for motions, and whatnot. I wasn't lead counsel in the case, and I continued to be his uh, his counsel on other matters, including the uh, the civil suit against uh, CNN and uh, and uh, Nancy Grace and some other media outlets for making claims that DNA was found at the scene when. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. It's just ridiculous, some of the statements that have came out. And I, I, I guess the best way to explain it is, you know, if you're if you're in the media and you have a, uh, a moniker like Kennedy Cousin to run with, you run with it. The case has been sensationalized in a way that, you know, the truth as it should unfold never really gets to the reader or to the listener. And if you take a look Mr. at the complaint, Seager, I think, think... Do you think you know who killed uh, Martha Moxley? Um, no, I know that there are better suspects than than, than Michael, and uh, they weren't investigated. And um, what I can tell you, what I think I should limit my comments to, is that Michael Skakel is innocent. Uh, he's not only not guilty; he didn't do the crime, he didn't commit the crime. He had an alibi. I think earlier police reports and statements made even by the chief of police Keegan way back in 1975 acknowledged that he had a had an alibi. Um, you know, the, the habeas court, uh, the decision that really reversed everything and, and sent the matter back to trial was based on the fact that uh, Attorney Sherman failed to investigate a um, an alibi witness. Uh, he went to his cousin Jimmy's uh, that night uh, during the time frame that the crime is alleged to have been committed. And John Benedict's whole argument was this was a Skakel cover-up, and it was only family members. Well, if you're a juror and you're thinking that way, I mean, you know, you have a you have a your choice whether to believe it or not. But here we had an objective witness, somebody that was not in the family that had uh, confirmed the alibi. There were some other statements earlier on the state in the uh, in the case as well that that uh, Inspector Gar appears not to have handed over. He may be pointing the finger at uh, the state for telling him not to give the information, including a police report that confirms the alibi statements at a time, you know, well before 
the the murder would have happened, Michael had left the uh, the area and was nowhere to be found. But those were statements that didn't make it over to the defense either. So let me ask you this: Do any of the people that might have been the other people that were suspects have any of them gone on to commit crimes? Well. Um, for example, one of the key suspects in the beginning days was uh, Ken Littleton, the family tutor, and he certainly did go on to commit crimes. Um, you know, he was uh, arrested several times, including a couple times up in uh, in the Cape area. I think it's Martha's being if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't think an earlier suspect, for example, Tommy Skako, I don't know that he was involved in any subsequent crimes whatsoever. Um, but yes, so Ken Littleton would have been uh, an early suspect that did go on to uh, commit crimes and was a suspect in this and possibly uh, other homicides. Wow. Okay. That's disturbing. Um, and then, you know, in this suit against Greenwich and uh, and specific people and entities, what has been the response thus far of those entities? Is there is there insurance talk? Is there a settlement conversation going on? Are you at liberty to say, or are they hard and fast? No, 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 no. Prove it, prove it, prove your case. Well, as you know, Lisa, it's earlier on in the pleading stages, so we just uh, submitted a, um, a revised complaint based on a request from uh, the Defense Council. And there's two suits going on, uh, one suit to return the uh, Hoffman tapes that were illegally seized, and the uh, the state just simply does not want to give those tapes back for some reason. And I, I think it's just unfathomable that, that such a key piece of evidence is now all of a sudden lost, and they're not able to give the property back. The case is over. We've requested it several times, and there's been varying explanations for why those tapes can't be returned to, uh, to Michael Skakel. Why are they so important to your it, clients? Well, they're, they're Michael Skakel's property. They contain, uh, you know, his thoughts and statements uh, that he made in the past and that uh, he doesn't want uh, other people to be able to use those statements later to, uh, uh, you know, to, to make up further stories about him and that type of thing. And it was a, uh, a set of tapes that contained some uh, conversations between he and a, uh, a book writer, uh, Mr. Hoffman. Uh, in addition to other things, there were also statements that... Uh, were made by Michael that support the fact that he uh, was nowhere near uh, the scene of the crime. He was uh, able to observe other people in the area, and of course, those were not aspects of the tapes that were cherry picked and put into the uh, to the state's closing argument. Um, and you know, we'd like to have them. We'd also like to see if the uh, the actual physical physical uh, tapes have been tampered with or 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 uh, snippeted up in a certain way. And that's his right. And, you know, in short, uh, it's his property. At the end of a case, if uh, a case is dismissed, what's your property is your property. He shouldn't be treated any differently than any other American citizen with a full panoply of constitutional rights. His so property, me... you have no business keeping it. Okay, and one further question, Stephen Seeger, and I really appreciate you being on. Um, can you tell me, what is Michael Skakel's life like now? Does he have a significant other? Did he ever go on to... to have children, you know, we only hear about this episode and all the jail and all the trials and tribulations associated with this case, but what is his personal life like? Well, as I said uh, before, uh, it's nothing like he knew it the day he was convicted. You can imagine you lose relationships. There was a divorce that came on the heels of the conviction. Michael Skakel was convicted at a time when his son was just an infant. He's lost all of that time with his son. Um, you know, it's difficult uh, if you have that type of dark cloud hanging over you to uh, when you do get out in the community 
to be employed, and life as he knew it has been obliterated by the uh, the conduct that went into convicting him. And like any other person who's wrongfully convicted, he's availing himself of the civil rights claim. It's not something that's, that, that would be unexpected. We hear about it every day. We have a wrongfully convicted individual. They have the right to go to court and show a court that uh, um, based on that civil standards that, uh, that uh, there was no probable cause to initiate and or continue uh, the matter. Much you know, has been made so, of the fact that he came from such a rich and privileged family. Mr. Seeger, does he in fact have a lot of wealth and resources at his disposal? Absolutely not. Um, as you know from other media reports, uh, various different cases, there was property that was sold by his father uh, at or around the time of the trial to pay for lawyers. I mean, basically, the Skako family is not the uh, the Great Lakes uh, uh, dynasty that uh, people knew, uh, you know, 40 years ago. This is a family that has been uh, really, really um, uh, shattered by this whole thing, both uh, emotionally and economically. And, and Michael Skakel uh, is doing some modest work for family members. And uh, basically, the whole idea that he's rich and famous, even at the time of the trial, is really something that's associated with this Kennedy cousin moniker that really has driven the whole case from the very beginning. Yeah. Nothing could be further from the truth. Steven Seeger, thank you very much. You're a civil rights attorney. Obviously, this isn't your only case. Uh, if people who are listening feel <clears throat> that they also have civil rights that need to be protected, can you give a shout-out about how to find you? Yeah, I mean, you can call me directly on my cell phone. I don't answer the phone. That means I'm dead or sleeping. It's 203-273-5170. Well, that's great. And you practice here in Connecticut? Yeah, I practice in Connecticut and um, basically uh, state and federal criminal matters for the most part. Civil rights cases are sort of uh, connected with that line of work as a lawyer, as you know. And so uh, in this particular matter, as I said, I think this is one of the cases that uh, marks a time of injustice towards a person that uh, deserves to have the story told. And he deserves to be uh, compensated for the time that he's been in jail and for what the state has effectively taken away from him, life as he knew it. Mr. Steven Seeger, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Michael Skakel. We'll follow the case as well here. You're invited back on, so is your client. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Lisa. Have a good day. Happy New Year. You too. We'll be right back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stay tuned. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.